mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bert to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience. Today is episode 63. Hi Martin. Hello Stu, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'll just turn my phone off, that never happens. That's alright, that's alright. <laughs> uh, episode 63, here we go, let's just crack on into this. Uh, our guest today is Guy Harrington, founder and CEO of Glenhawk. Good morning, Guy. Good morning and thank you both for having me. Well, thank, oh, thank you for you coming, coming in. Um, uh, I don't think we've had, you're a bridging lender, aren't you? Glenhawk. Is, is that too you know what? descriptive? It, it, the term bridging, I think, can be a little bit tricky. It, 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 I think if you, both of you guys know it's been a bit of a backward industry for a few years Absolutely. with some very shady practices. Wild, so, Wild West. Yeah, a specialist lender, but we yes. do bridging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. We'll get we'll get on to yeah. that. Um, we always like to find out about people first, uh, Guy. What's the backstory? How did you end up in the industry? What was your, you know, have you always been in property? Uh, did you fall into it like me? <laughs> Can't get out of it. I mean, what's the, what's the backstory yeah you're right about hard to get out of um so without being a complete waffle and giving you my whole life story um i, I suppose as a child around my mum and dad all the time they were knocking down walls and building stuff in the house and i was almost living in a building site the whole time so <laughs> your whole childhood yeah so pretty much inhaled a lot of plaster and probably a lot of uh, <laughs> asbestos at the same time um and uh, th- that really in some odd way got me always thinking about property and i was probably thinking from a young age why are they renovating why are they doing this at home like what's the point really uh, I wasn't the best at school. I was heavily dyslexic. Uh, still am now. Hate reading documents and uh, can barely Contracts. do maths, which is bizarre for running a finance business. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, this is a good thing. I failed my maths GCSE first time around. No, I've, made a, I've made a career oh. out of not reading contracts, so I don't yeah. read too There we go. And look where we all are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuck in property. <laughs> it gives someone some hope. Um, so I uh, went to university, studied commercial property management, uh, barely got in there. Uh, went to Sheffield Hallam and uh, I enjoyed the university life, but at the time, um, I thought, I wonder how I can get out of this and start buying some property. So I started back, back then. I was really interested in technology. I still am now. I looked at mobile phones and I thought, I wonder how I can start selling these phones into the university. And it was really much a case of I went to the local town, the local mobile phone shop, built a relationship with the guy there and said, hey, is there any way I can sell or return your phones into the university? And this was around the time of the, the Matrix flip phone, mm-hmm. the 8210s. And- what year would that be, just for my... Oh, off the top of my head. Late 90s? Yeah, no, early early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, we right. were like two, 2004. Okay. Um, around then. The phones are really kind of... It, yeah. Smartphones are coming in. It was really, you know, I mean, remember those times people really wanted the latest little phone yeah, and yeah. you change your phone a lot, whereas now with the iPhones and things, it's every three years or so, isn't yeah. it? It's and everyone wanted the next smaller phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, smaller and smaller and smaller. Snake, games, yeah. you know, GPS and all this sort Good of stuff. Yeah. yeah, when life was simpler. Yeah. And um, I, I managed to get the phones off this guy and uh, start selling them into the university and mm-hmm. built a bit of money up doing that. Bought my first buy to lets in Derby, which back then were very cheap. They're still cheap now for what houses are, like yeah. 75000 80000 for two, three-bed rentals right in the centre. And uh, built a small portfolio out from there, really. And that was in my mid-20s. Started putting some leverage on it with buy-to-let loans. Quite young um, at the time to do that. Yeah, and to be honest, like I still do now. I was winging it, really. <laughs> Didn't really have a clue what I'm doing. Still don't. And uh, it was just very much finding your feet. Made a lot of mistakes. Learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and went on from there. And then pivoted from moving from Sheffield... Um, 
I lived in Derby, so it wasn't too far. Moved down to London, um, started doing some car exporting uh, with a chap in Windsor, actually. Um, that was my only job I've ever had in terms of a PAYE job. <laughs> it's uh, like you saw a payslip, was it? Yeah, and it was great. And I uh, worked there for a couple of years, uh, exporting cars to Thailand and Singapore, um, exotic supercars from nice. the UK, because it's cheaper to import them if you bring them via the UK uh, for import tax reasons. And uh, after that, dip back into property again in London really okay. so use the contacts I got from there and um, yeah uh, started meeting investors building up some development sites and um, yeah here I am today really. Was this pre-credit crunch or post-credit crunch or in the middle? That was sort of flexing over it a little was bit it? Yeah. yeah it was hard to find opportunities it was extremely competitive for, for bizarrely because the market was on its knees um, but yeah it was um, over and during that time. So uh, what what drove you to form Glenhawk then? I mean, did you spot a gap in the market? Was there something missing? Or was it a, a bandwagon that you felt you had to jump on? Or was it natural progression for you? You know what? That's a really good question. I get asked that quite a bit. And uh, I'd love to say, you know, it was a light bulb moment. <laughs> and that was it. But there, is, there is no answer. Yes. No, really, it was. I found my notepad the other night of when I was sat in a cafe in Putney when I came up with the idea. Putney, or oh, the cafe shut down now. So hopefully that's not too ominous for the future of the business. <laughs> Kill the podcast. Yeah. This is the last podcast you apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'd written, well, what do you call them, one of those Venn diagrams where the three circles yeah. overlap yeah. and in the centre you have your passion, yeah. something that can make you money and something you like basically enjoy doing. And in that was, uh, I quite like property, I like the financing side of it and I thought that could be scalable, more scalable than doing developments and buy-to-let on my own essentially. And uh, I just drew bridging loans and put a circle around it and I was reading that notebook the other night and it all developed from there really and I looked at the market and thought, you know, any business is all about looking at it and stripping it all apart and going, how can I make it better? Yeah. They're doing that. How can we improve on that? Mm. And I've listed all the points that we could do. And uh, yeah, fast forward four years, here we are now. We've got it's only been four years? Yeah, then? four years, yeah. Okay. So that's that's uh, good. That's good quick progress that's good progress yeah i mean we in a regulated market yeah yeah we do regulated we really stepped up quite aggressively mm. recently because mm. we like that space clearly there's been a lot of home movers recently and chain breaks which we like and it's a very fluid simple bridge really compared to an unregulated bridge loan mm-hmm. um, but now after four years we're doing what 350 million a year of lending now uh, we've got a team of 50 just based around the corner from the studio yeah. and uh, it's all, all all going well so how does that I mean, we've both started our own companies, varying sizes. Um, how Same grey hair. How do you get? <laughs> yeah, I know. How do you get from the point of when you've decided that's what you're going to do? Mm. How long does it take you to put yourself in a position where it's it's moving forwards? in yeah. this type of thing because obviously yeah. it's, it's far more complicated in my head mm. it seems far more complicated to get yourself set up as a lender yeah, yeah. that's a big yeah. huge i mean, I mean what we do as a lender yeah yeah. to uh, create your own funding line to yeah. getting it out the door and then getting it back in again definitely so that's a tough four years i would think well with, I, with a pandemic in the middle yeah i mean as you, as you guys know it, it's about those incremental gains every day it's about setting out in the morning with your notepad and going right what can we achieve today whether it's basic like don't know, setting up your email accounts or mm. sorting your website or something and every day you just make that steady progress but Pretty much from September 17, when I'd written on my notepad, um, this is what we want to do, 21st September, September uh, 2017, I thought, right, let's go for it. Um, and it really was until end of January uh, that I got all the team set up, got the investment in place from the funder, the equity partner that I brought on board, and had four team 
uh, four people in the office in uh, again around the corner from here and uh, it actually happened quite quick and a lot of that is down to the investor that I, that we had in the group is incredibly flexible and very trusting of me and mm-hmm. I've delivered returns for him in other investments in the past and he was very much of the case of okay guy you, off you, you go and you're do pre, it. You've yeah. got a premium chat record. Yeah, that's it. And the, and as you mentioned earlier, Martin, the, getting the money back in, that's the that's the biggest thing because it was all right lending this investor's money before we brought on the challenger banks to leverage our funding and mm-hmm. capacity that we could lend out. But they all wanted a track record. All of them go, right, have you, how much have you lent? Have you got it? And the last four years has always been a case of like praying, look how good we are. Look how good <laughs> we're amazing. Don't, look, don't pull the curtain back. <laughs> no, that's it. You're like, well, I mean, yeah, you, you just go, well, here we are. This is our performance. We lend well, we get the money back and our default rate on the current book is under 1%. So that's a testament to, yes. to, to, to how good our lending is. Because there is, I make the joke there about the curtain guy, but there is, mm. you only have to go on LinkedIn yeah. to see the amount of uh, fake uh, good news that kind of oh, goes yeah. on out there. Yeah, yeah. To actually deliver Deliver that yeah, and yeah. a return yeah. with a, a minuscule default rate. Yeah. I mean, you must be very yeah. proud of the business yeah, and the team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the team, well, well, it's all including James sometimes. <laughs> but you know, it, it, a business isn't me; it's the team. Yeah. As you guys well know, it's uh, I just do things like this the fun stuff and yeah. uh, and really it's all the individual members of the team that make it make the business and really it's uh, I'm just that small part that uh, is the face of it and just helps out and tries to make sure everything runs smoothly and everyone has a good time so um, what are you seeing from a trend point of view because obviously when you started I mean you know Stu and I we have been around we, you know we're right in the middle of the credit crunch we do talk about it a lot because I think it's important to, to learn from those lessons and mm. when you started in September 17 you'd never even heard of Covid no. <laughs> you know, or or Ukraine even for that matter. And suddenly yeah, yeah. in the first four years of the business plan, yeah. two major events which might impact on your business and your funding lines and then yeah. consumer confidence becomes an issue. Yeah. Um so how do you how do you overcome those challenges? Do you just because you do you just plow on? Yeah, I mean, from a, from a business perspective, you have no choice, right? Mm. You've just got to go for it. But yeah. from a personal perspective, when COVID hit, I remember uh, quite quite morbidly in some ways sitting at home thinking Christ this is really bad yes. I'm going to have to write a list of potentially who, who we're going to let go and, really? uh, and how we're going to do it because I thought it was really going to hit hard and I was sat there I said to my wife I just said oh this is going to be bad and yeah. usually I'm an optimist I'm yeah, a yeah, realistic yeah. optimist I'll always hope for the That's best awful. but yeah. I thought wow this is not going to look good and it was really tough so mentally I think for those first three four months when Covid had hit I um, I've been open about my struggles in the past with the challenges of mm. mental health and various things and uh, uh, when that hit I was like god this is bad but in reality after four months it all worked out the borrowers were performing we gave minimal forbearance and our funders especially JP Morgan which is one of our main funders were incredibly supportive mm. and there wasn't one time where we had a pinch or we had an issue and we rode it out um, it's funny isn't it because I'm with you I'm very, I'd like to be on the front foot I'd like to be no. positive I was trying to find the best in things but in that March Last week of March, mm. you're looking mm. and, and effectively to close the industry down yeah. on us all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there was hard to see any positivity there. Yeah. Um, but then uh, around about May, June time, mm. um, uh, with a lot of government support, um, uh, we opened the doors again yeah. and we couldn't believe the volume of inquiries and new business and the demand that was still out there from the consumer blew us away. And yeah. actually, we're still feeding off that now two years later. It hasn't yeah, slowed down yeah. at all. There's no sign of it slowing down, which, I mean, it, it's bizarre. You, mm. you 
you know, demand and supply, you would have thought at yeah. least it's going to see a bit of a tailing off. But the reality is, as you guys are saying, it's it's great. And we had record month last month. And as of today, it's going to even beat last month. You had a that. record. Don't forget yeah. to put that on LinkedIn. Uh, I think very, I did, very yeah. Much. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit low on the self-promotion on LinkedIn. Because, you know, sometimes people put stuff on you think, oh, what are they doing? I mean, I, I like to be just like show business as it is. Well, yes. I think the thing is, right, it gets to a point where it's overload, isn't it? Yeah. Where you get to a point you think, well, actually, when are you actually doing any work? Because you've posting 15 times a day and also with a photo every time if you're all in the same industry and you've had a record month the chances are we've all had a record month all the others have Um, so yeah if you could we could do with changing the narrative a little bit on that so but what are you what are you seeing from a a trend point of view with the consumer where's 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 the margins i mean you know give us some inside track where's the money going so inside track bridging is incredibly competitive at the moment um i was going to put a post on linkedin about it a few days ago that there's a lot of new entrants into it from a funding perspective um there's a lot of american money that's come over in the last year there was talk of it happening during covid it arrived and it's been dumped into bridging so margins have tightened a lot uh far more than what they were the the yields have come down on on the bridge loans themselves and we're having to price far lower than we were probably six months ago now because you almost uh, had free reign didn't you in the so past a little bit yeah to, to a degree um but then i think the hunt for assets happened obviously yeah. when covid started to unwind and everything god we need to get a yield on our money and mm. we're not getting it in the bank with all these funds wanted to deploy um so what's the biggest and quickest thing to set up our bridge lender right mm. it's easy well reality is it isn't we've spent 4.8 million of working capital to get to where we are now right. over the last four years mm-hmm. and we're only just turning profitable on a monthly basis now so right. uh, a lot came a long in game. and thought oh, i can yeah. set one up just like that and uh, it's not really like that so i suppose from a trends wise business is good um from our side it's all about diversification now so future products we're going to roll out the regulated homeowner bridging we're going to push even harder we've got new rates coming out next week which uh if not cheaper than the challenger banks which is a really good positive for us because we can act very quickly mm-hmm. and then later this year we're going to go into the specialist buy to let um okay. but the specialist end of it because again margins there are phenomenally tight for a new buy to let lender mm-hmm. and only yesterday i heard of two that had closed their doors to new funding uh very large lenders as well one a bank one a non-bank lender because the funder says the margins are too tight so we're seeing that and i'm thinking okay it's a great market to sit in but i can't stay here long we need to look into more yeah. term dated debt where we can get a bit more of a margin where we can get money out the door for five to ten years and really diversify the group to co- become this large non-bank specialist lender and not just the like the, the bridging lender as such so that, and so that's the that's the plan for glenhawk is, is, is that diversification that ex- not staying a, a one-trick pony no which is the risk isn't yeah business, isn't i mean you, you you could i mean I, I use it as a case study like if if i wanted to have a nice lifestyle business and the investor did we could remove half the staff now and it'd be a, a nicely profitable business mm. but we wouldn't be growing or probably get the business in that we get so by reinvesting in the team reinvesting in the business we can grow further and grow into other product sets it's a lot like excellent lenders like West One have done, Lend Invest have done, Octane have done recently, Precise, and they've diversified over the years. And it's just the key for it. And when you diversify, it mm. costs money to do that clearly. And a lot of lenders in our space don't want to spend that money because they think, oh, I'd rather put it in my pocket and uh, go and have a nice holiday somewhere. Whereas who can blame them? Are you yeah. <laughs> um, are you are you primarily broker? Um, driven in terms of your new business or are you direct to consumer as well How, how's that yeah we're 95% broker yeah um, small part direct um, small part repeat clients that have always come to us um, but no predominantly the broker network and what, it will stay what, like that for a while what's um, you know what what have you learned from that relationship uh, good and bad you know intermediaries are a great way to get volume mm. but it's a great way to get problems as well because of the volume yeah. you know yeah. and there's different degrees of quality 
quality out there within the yeah. broker. Um, Definitely. And they think they're experts in everything. Um, well, you know, I think the, the, the biggest challenge we see sometimes is that you get pegged against other lenders and, right. and it's, well, they're doing that, you're doing that. And you have to sell yourself constantly to say why you're why you're better, why you can do something better than they might be using together or they might be using another lender, how you can swing them round to, to the uh, essential winning the relationship. Um, but no, it's uh, it, it's uh, it, it's tough to win those. Mm. Um, but we're slowly getting there and we've been there long enough now to, to, to establish ourselves. Yeah, and a lot of it's about finding the, the, the not necessarily quirks, but having that sort of angle that the intermediaries will like yes. in that respect sort yeah, of thing. Completely. So I know certainly from like when I've researched deals before in the past from like a, a wide list of lenders I was doing my own spreadsheet mm. and one of the things I like about what your proposition has is in terms of the, the, the charging structure in terms of the fees that come with it yeah. are all very straightforward because yeah. one of the elements that really frustrates clients when you try and explain to them you want short term finance these are the types of things you need to think mm. of Yeah. Simplicity is key yeah. on that type of thing because uh, absolutely. Oh. If I give you an example, actually, before you answer that, that mm. question, guy, we had a, a bridging deal that came in yesterday, and the gross uh, uh, number was forty six mm. and thirty five net to the client. Mm. That's an that's an awful well, lot of fees yeah. on that. And well, I think there's sometimes there is, we, we touched on it earlier about it being the, it has a reputation of being mm. the wild west. Or some aspects of bridging were. Yeah. I think brokers have that mentality and they're scared yeah. of it. Yeah. But I think you're changing that a little bit. Yeah. De- definitely trying to. I think the fees part is one of the biggest points of when a set loan or cop, how can we be different? And certainly the other day we had a loan that went, I think, four or five days over term. And the head of this uh, very large intermediary in Manchester rang me and went, Guy, any chance you can just give him a bit of forbearance? And I went, well, how long do you need? And uh, I said, oh, 10 days, two weeks. He went, oh, great. Well, what's the fee? 2%. I said, no, no fee. Just, <laughs> just, 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 we'll just roll it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, what? Like, what? Are you mad? I'm like, well, no. <laughs> it's like, it's a relationship. And then yes. as soon as we'd done that, the next two days, he's flooded us with deals. Yes. And uh, I said, well, I mean, we just just want to help people, a really. Cheap marketing from you, your point of view. Yeah, you can run a commercially successful business and not shaft the client. Um, you don't need to do both. See, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? And I think that's, there's a wider thing that that goes to as well, because as word gets round between the other intermediaries that they deal with themselves, yeah. that will then widen the relationship even further because of one of the big fears sometimes that clients have around short-term finance for particular deals mm. is what happens when you come close to the end of a yeah. 12-month deal on a regulated deal for yeah. example yeah definitely are the boys going to come around with a baseball yeah bat? exactly no, exactly and turn and timelines do slip i mean we've all been in positions where there's the project and it slips and i get it i've been a developer i've mm. been there done that and when someone calls me and goes can we have a little bit of help i'll help them out mm. like, i've got a heart in there somewhere i think that's slowly been eroded <laughs> away by business but it, it, it's there so that's one example of how we, we are we try and be different in a market that as you guys both know is mm. incredibly competitive and everyone's yeah. doing broadly similar things but how you act and how you treat people is for me the highest level of, uh, of standard really mm. well we work on a repeat business I mean, our business is reliant on on clients referring us and, and coming back for that repeat business mm. and if we overcharged or delivered poor service yep. guess what they yeah. don't come back and back. it's no different from your relationship with us yeah. we are your clients in many respects and i think yeah. um anything that you can do i think guys as a, as, a, as a company to help sort of you know just remove some of the greed elements that are out there yeah. you know th- that broker the example there or yeah. is it not two percent 
Yeah. Why should it be two percent? Why should it be yeah. for, for ten days of yeah. grace and, a, and and lots of business coming off the back of it? So it. and the margins are still good. You don't need to do that to to, to win the clients. You'll never get them back. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, that's flown by, guys. It well, always does. I keep saying right. that. They always they always fly by, but it has <laughs> flown by. How do we how do we find you? You're on LinkedIn. You're on Twitter. I mean, if people want to engage with you and Glenn Hall, what's the best way to do? Yeah, that? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not on any other social platforms. Deleted that a few years Very ago. Sensible, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, LinkedIn, and I'm I'm relatively vocal about business on there and yeah. my own experiences about what, what I do and uh, built up a bit of a following about being quite candid about yeah. my experiences so mm-hmm. yeah follow me on there add me connect and what I say to people in industry as well is, what I find a lot at, at events is if you want to have a chat about anything just give me an email or well, give, give me a message like no matter what you do in the sector I'm happy to I think that's people. great that's collaboration yeah and we need more of that in the industry and I have you know I follow you for a while and we've liaised for a while and I think uh, you're very authentic and you're very real I try and, that, and that comes through uh, people like Jamie Pritchard I don't know we make fun of him but he's a good guy yeah, as well from what I've seen of Glen Hawk, having d- dealt with you from a business point of view, mm. uh, you've got a good culture there. Yeah, and I think it. that's important. Yeah, guy, so. and, and that encourages staff retention and it also absolutely encourages repeat mm. business, which is yeah. win-win in, in, inside and out. Essentially, brilliant. Right, closing feature, guy. Yeah. Um, dinner party. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You can invite four people, two dead, two alive. Oh. Okay. Stu and I are going. That's a given, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who are you inviting along? Who's coming to the dinner you have party? To come. Um, so uh, let's start with dead would be uh, my dad's brother, uh, okay, who died when he was 21. My dad's 80 now, and he miss, misses him every day, yeah. always upset. And. Paul has some amazing experiences of when he was younger, riding a motorbike through Germany pre the war. He rode it over there, wrote a notepad every day about what his experience was, how much fuel he used, and really? that's got me into motorbiking. And I, yeah. I ride all around the UK now and try and emulate what he did. But certainly, I'd love to have a chat with him about his life and Good one. what he did up to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, Roger Moore, I think. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. He lived Bond fan. He, oh yeah, the Saint. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, Saint was all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Roger, he lived a life, didn't he? Um, bit of a legend um great experience um his know. autobiography is brilliant uh, it's a good i think read. he's done a couple of books but yeah it's a great the latest uh, one before he passed was absolutely uh, and he don't make that kind of actor anymore i don't think no no I, no I don't think um and then alive uh yeah we were laughing about this in the office earlier <laughs> probably the dalai lama <laughs> <laughs> hello uh, yeah it's a bit bizarre but i just think I've, I've watched a few interviews with him read a couple of his books like yeah. the book of joy um and i'm not a spiritual person really but but how his outlook on life and his positivity is pretty yeah. infectious. I mean, we, need, we need some of that. Yeah, and he's a bit honest. of a dude as well. When yeah. you watch him on the interviews, he's uh, he, he's quite fun uh, to, to to have a laugh with. Uh, and then someone else that's alive at the moment. Uh, God, who was who was? I'm sure I had a fourth person. Who was it? You sure, it's not me. Don't Do you want me there? Oh God, I, I don't, don't remember like... who it was. Right. <laughs> Have you, have you written it down? down? Yeah, I think we might have written it down. Wait, just talk amongst ourselves. You can, while we you find, can, you uh, can edit this out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. Um, not oh, leaving it in. Yeah, sort of a slab. Uh, Brian Cox, the not physician, the, uh, doctor, but the, phys- the uh, astrophysicist. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So That'd be really interesting. Probably more famously for playing the keyboard in D Ream in Absolutely. the nineties. Yeah, but, things uh, can only get better. I've got a massive fascination with the universe and looking up at the sky at night and thinking we're on a rock floating through endless space. Like what the hell? going on and yeah, I reckon he'd be quite interesting what to... a great dinner party yeah, well, wait, yeah. what are we having I hope fish so. and chips <laughs>
Uh, well, maybe a kebab. That's a Dalai Lama, what he wants. Uh, yeah. uh, listen, guys, thanks so much for that. Really appreciate you coming in. Thank you for your time. I know you're busy. Really good content. Uh, and let's hope Glenn Hawk, you know, get loads of business off the back of this and just share this on your social media as and when it's ready to go out and, and we'll do the same. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Really enjoyed it. That's great. Thank you, Guy. Um, and if you'd like to appear on a future episode of the LM Experience, you can contact us via our Twitter feed, which is at the LM Experience. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the studio soon. Brilliant. Cheers, Stu. Cheers, Guy. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Yeah.